Stand with me, if you will, and if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 14, the Gospel of John chapter 14. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you for being on time and being in the house of the Lord. And uh, thank you for all the men who uh, come to put these chairs back together after the elections. Thank you for all the men that have fasted and prayed these last three days. Thank you, Brother Jeff, for orchestrating that. Amen. And all the men that, that uh, yielded and volunteered their, their fasting time. Praise God. And uh, hallelujah. All right. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I want to speak a little while tonight on the subject that Jesus is the way. It's almost an old cliche, but it's not. It is scripture. He is the way. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your presence. We ask that you would anoint each and every aspect of this service. And Lord, we pray that this little time that we have together will be blessed by your anointing. It will be blessed by your presence. Lord, you know each and every need in this building tonight. And I pray, Lord, that faith would gain a stronger ground in each and every heart and every mind. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would have preeminence in all things. And I rebuke every evil spirit, every spirit of contention and strife, anyone that would hinder the move of your word and your spirit. God, of the name of Jesus, we stand in your name and worship you and praise you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Turn your neighbor, shake their hands, say, praise the Lord. Amen. And then you may be seated. I'm going to teach exegetical tonight uh, along the the theme of Easter. I I really debated about continuing with the other lesson in the series on the 10 weight sins and, and, uh, and struggles. But I really felt that this is the direction I need to go and give more weight to uh, the season uh, that is with Easter. And so <clears throat> this verse is what really stood out to me. And this is one I would pick up because literally uh, th- this, this segment of scripture is just a few days before Jesus went out and, uh, <clears throat> and, uh, and, and gave his life on Calvary. Amen. In fact, uh, it was just before he was arrested. And uh, so in chapter 14, um, we're talking about uh, the the coming of Easter, the coming of the Passover, the coming of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And in his preparation for departure, Jesus knowing all of this, he's trying to prepare his disciples. In chapter 13, we read some of that at Foot Washing Communion Service on on Sunday night, he, after washing their feet, is now talking to them and expounding to them the events that are about to transpire. 
And many of them, of course, really didn't hear. I mean, they heard it, but it went in one ear and out the other. It really did not stick in their mind with understanding as to what is about to happen. And so in chapter 14, verse 1, he makes this statement. He says, let not your heart be troubled, verse 1. Why did he say that? Because in just the previous verses, as they were having communion, foot washing, he told them that one of them was a traitor and he would betray him. He also said that all of them would deny him. Then he said, shock of all shocks, that he's going to leave them that night. You talk about shock and being unprepared. They didn't expect that. They thought he'd be down here forever. And they'd set up a new kingdom, a physical kingdom. And so their heart was troubled. But, you know, Jesus never wanted us to have a life without trouble. But he promised that we would have an untroubled heart if we trust in him. Right in the middle of trouble. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. See, this is actually command that he was giving them. Let not your heart be troubled. It's an imperative. He's really saying, stop being troubled. Seriously. In uh, Bob Newhart lingo, it's stop it. <laughs> stop it. Amen. Seriously, literally. He's, it really means set your heart at peace. You know, you and I have the ability to set our heart in a certain degree with the help of God especially, that it will be full of peace. Amen. And God wants you and I to have peace in the midst of our troubles going around us. It's like, a, you know, it's like having a remote button and pushing the mute. Pew. Inside, you're going to push that, that mute button that, that, that is, is, is clamoring in your head, all the noise that's clamoring in your head and your heart, and the things that upset you, just stop it and, and be, just be quiet. Amen. You know, there was a research that was done among, among executives and very successful, high-powered executives about what they do in times of crises. You know, a lot of people, when a crisis hit unexpectedly, they just run around, scurry around, and they do all kinds of things, making bad decisions in a process. But the successful ones, the good executives, you know what they found they did? When they are in a situation of, of such trouble, they get very quiet. They get very quiet, and they release themselves from that emotion and they begin to think, what should I do? What is most important? What are my priorities? They stop and they think. You know, if you and I as Christians would learn to do just that, I think we'd be more successful Christians. Whenever crises are coming, well, we're going to have trouble, right? I mean, hey, in, in this world, you and I are going to have tribulation and we're going to have problems. But we need to set our heart, amen, on the peace setting. Push the mute button on the world and get along with God and start thinking and meditating on him. And in verse 1, he also says, you believe in God, believe also in me. Another way to phrase this is, you must believe in God, you must believe in me. There's no disconnect between the two because he was God manifest in the flesh. And he's trying to convey that to them. And then in verse uh, 2, he says, in my father's house are many mansions. Literally, it means dwelling places. Dwelling places. Another way to say it, it's, it's a place to stay. A place to stay. 
Hey, when we get there, we're not moving anywhere else. When I get there, I don't want to move anywhere else. Hallelujah. And what I'm happy about more than anything, that when I get my new mansion, I'm not going to have to paint it. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No plumbing, no toilets to fix. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. No chairs that are falling apart. Oh, no dirt to clean. Amen. It's going to be a different, different atmosphere altogether. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. In my father's house are many mansions, and we're not moving from there once we get there to stay. And in verse 2, it also says, I go to prepare a place for you. You know, how many know that God is love? How many know that God loves you? Amen, amen. Well, you know, love loves to prepare a place. You know, expecting parents because of love, what do they do? They prepare a place for that baby. And can Brother Brian back give me an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. See, if you got, you got a baby on the way, oh, you're in love with that baby even before it's born. And you're, you're just doing all kinds of things to prepare for that baby. Hallelujah. And, uh, and that's just the way it is. You know, people who love hospitality, people, you know, when you invite somebody over to your house, what do you do? You prepare. Why? Because you, you look forward to and you, you love entertaining people. You love having over your house. Sister Sue, she is a hospitable person. How many times has she had the ladies over to her house? And, and my, she is a lover of hospitality. And she loves to have people over her home. And there's many in here who are the same way. Praise God. And, and why? Because love, hallelujah, prepares room for those coming. Hallelujah. So good host and hostess that loves, they love to prepare for their guests. And Jesus is the same way. And he's looking forward to you and I coming and he's preparing a place for his children because he loves them. And he's also very confident that they're going to get there. How many of you have ever invited people and they didn't show up? Very few. Doesn't happen that often. But when it happens, it's very disappointing. Amen. So listen, Jesus is preparing a place for you and I. Don't disappoint him. Amen. You better show up. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Somebody gave me an amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So, so he went to prepare a place for you and I. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, I go. I go to prepare a place for you. That speaks of Jesus' own planning and his own initiative. See, he wasn't just taken to the cross. He went to the cross. He says, I go. The disciples didn't expect that. He said, I go. Hallelujah. They thought that death that occurred right after that was just an unexpected and unforeseen calamity that happened. And, and that's why they were so distraught afterwards and ran their way. But Jesus taught them that this was a path of his own planning and his own choosing. Nothing more, nothing less. But they didn't realize that, of course, until afterwards. But in this particular instance, again, he's trying to teach them. He's trying to prepare them for what lies ahead. Uh, and so in verse 3, he also says, hey, I go away to prepare a place for you. But he says, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now, that is a powerful statement, and it says so much. And I have, I'm going to take the next two minutes 
to, to, to look at this scripture because, see, Jesus promised to come again for his disciples. And not just his 12, not just his 120, not just, you know, all those others that were, you know, there on the day of Pentecost. He is coming back for all his people. He's referring to that great gathering of his people from all over the world, disciples who have been born again and baptized in Jesus' name. Amen. But he's coming back for them at the end of this age, end of this 2,000-year period when that church age dispensation is over. And it's referring to the rapture of the church, that secret coming of Christ, not the open apocalypse, the revelation of Christ where the whole world sees him. This is just for his church. Amen. And the apostle Paul echoed this very promise of Jesus when he wrote about the Lord's coming when he said in, in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, before he goes into the rest of the verses and talking about the catching away of the church and that we ought to comfort one another with these words. But he begins that whole segment by saying, for this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. And is reflecting what Jesus is talking about right here. I'm coming back for you and I'm going to receive you to myself. Praise the name of the Lord. And then he goes on, Paul does, writes in the 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 about this event. He said, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we, sh we shall be changed. And then he continues in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. I'm just going to read the last line of that scripture. 1 uh, Thessalonians 4.16. He says, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain, remain alive at the time when he, he comes back, shall be caught up together with them. With who? Those who are coming out of the graves. We shall be caught up together. Everybody say together. together. With them in the clouds. Where? Clouds. And then he goes on to say, to meet the Lord in the air. Where? The air. Clouds, the air. He's receiving us to himself up there, not down here. Do you get that? That's important. And he says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. So he's not talking about the coming to the world and coming for the world. He's coming for his church. He's coming back for you and I. Praise the name of the Lord. And so the second coming that Revelation talks about, uh, the apocalypse is the revelation to the world, is when Jesus returns after the seven-year tribulation and he, he destroys and demolishes the Antichrist and all the nations and kingdoms of this world. Sets up his kingdom, his millennial reign in Jerusalem. But the Bible says his feet, even Zechariah says, his feet will touch the Mount of Olives and it'll split in two. And I won't tell you the rest of it, that's the irrelevant. The point is, that's when he comes back and every eye shall see him. Hallelujah. And listen to Revelation 1.7 that says that. Revelation 1.7. Behold, he cometh with clouds, not in the clouds, with clouds coming down to the earth, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. John has felt the impulse in the spirit say, even so, yes, it's going to happen. It's going to be a terrible moment because all the millions and billions that have rejected Christ 
are bewailing because they took the mark of the beast and because they belong to the kingdoms and to the nations of this world and paid homage to this God of the world and not the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the king of kings. But that day's coming. First, he's coming for the church, and we meet him up there. But when he comes to the earth, when every eye shall see him, his landing on the Mount of Olives, his feet will touch the ground. And every eye will see him, but most will not be happy. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm glad that, that, uh, that to them that look for him will she appear a second time unto, from sin unto salvation. Hallelujah. Amen. So he saved us from sin and we're anticipating a great return. I'm looking forward to that day. Somebody said amen. amen. And he says in verse 3 again, he says that where I am, there you may be also. See, the entire focus of heaven is being with Jesus. Heaven is not heaven because of the gates of pearl. It's not heaven because of the streets of gold. It's not heaven because of all the angels. It's heaven because Jesus is there. I want to go where Jesus is. Hallelujah. And we take great comfort in knowing that even as he prepares a place for us, at the same time, he's also preparing us for that place. You've got to be prepared to get there. You've got to be prepared, body, heart, mind, and soul. You're going to have to want to get there. Nobody gets to that place by accident. You're going to have to make an effort. Amen. Praise God. In fact, the Bible calls it diligent effort, painstaking effort. There's things that you and I got to do. That's what Paul says about working out your salvation in fear and trembling. Amen. That doesn't mean doing good works so that you earn your salvation. No. It means working continuously by faith, doing those things that please God. And that's why we got to know the word. Because if we don't know what pleases God, we can't do it. Right. Hallelujah. No wonder the scripture says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And no one has an excuse. We got a Bible. You can read. You're smart enough. You are. You can get all kinds of modern translations that makes it easy for you. But how much time are we taking for the word to prepare for that place? If the Spirit's drawing you, let him, let him draw and follow after him. For as many as are led by the Spirit, the same are the sons of God. And then he says uh, to them after he says, and whither I go you know and the way you know. But Thomas, amen, uh, looks to him and says, Lord, we don't know where you're going or, or how we can know the way. And he said, very honestly, Thomas says, we don't know the how and the where. Thomas should at least be commended in, in his honesty, really, and clearly expressing his confusion. He was confused. That's okay. He was thinking in, in a carnal way, and these people haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost yet, the day of Pentecost hasn't overtaken them. But, but he thought that really in his own mind, and it's easy to understand this, but but in his own mind, he was thinking that Jesus was just going to another place. As in maybe going to another city, another location. But, and, and, and this is like, like a, a little child asking the parent questions and the parent answers in language that the child can understand. And in many ways, the Bible is like that, you know. Many things that God describes to us from this word is, is on in, in a level. Well, sometimes you have to rise to it and have to have teaching and understanding. Amen. 
But there's, 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 there are things in here that anyone can understand. And, and he uses language that, that, that will help us to understand his precepts, his principles, and his word that is so important to us. And so like children, they're asking questions and they're getting answers on their own level. And so Jesus, out of necessity here, uses the weakness of human language and uses expressions that are easy to understand, such as, I'm going away. Going away. How's going to, how, how is he going to explain his death and his, his resurrection? I mean, he, I'm just going away. And, and then, then he talks about you know, the, the way to the Father. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. This way to the Father, this way to God is, is blurred and it is, it is not understandable to them. Hallelujah. But in verse 6, again, he says, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Now, that's a pretty bold statement. Jesus saying that the way to the Father, to God, it's not a physical road, first of all. It's not spatial and material, in other words. It's not a road you can find with a road sign that this way to heaven. It's not physical. And going away is not going to a physical location. It's all spiritual. And in fact, the way to the Father is not a where or a how, but a who. And Jesus said, I am it. I am the way. Praise the name of the Lord. I am the way, truth, and the life. Hallelujah. Amen. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ, the way. You know, uh, in most of the New Testament, as Christians, uh, the people who, who were known as Christians, before they were called Christians, they were called people of the way. The way. Amen. It's interesting. Paul, when he was uh, accused uh, uh, of heresy, he defended himself by saying, uh, he says, the way that you call, they call heresy, so worship I the God of my fathers. The way. Hallelujah. That's their way. But I, way, I, I worship the way of my fathers. Hallelujah. And so that's what Jesus said. I am the way. He didn't say that he'll show them the way, but that he is the way. He didn't say that he'll teach them truth, but that he is the truth. He didn't show them that uh, he's going to offer you the secrets of life, but that he is life. If you have Jesus, you got life. You got Jesus, you got truth. You got Jesus, hallelujah. You've got the way, hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. He said, no man cometh to the Father but by me, verse 6. And again, that, that's a remarkable statement. He says he is the only way to God. And this statement, Jesus set aside the Jewish temple. He sets aside all the rituals of the temple. And most of all, if you think about it, he sets aside all other religions which the world does not like. And this is one of the most controversial statements of the New Testament because there are other religions and there are other individuals who feel they have their own way and their right to have their own way to God. Well, they have their right to their opinions and they can do whatever they want to. They can teach and preach whatever they want to according to the laws of the land. But in reality, the truth is that if it's not Jesus, you can't get to God. Jesus is the only way. 
Hallelujah. And so uh, many, many people think that this is so outrageous because it's so unfair for God to make only one way to get to him. But really, this is consistent with Old Testament teaching too. Exodus chapter 20. Thou shalt have no other God before me. God is one from the Old Testament to the New. There's only one God and there's only one way of salvation. And it's that one God that dictates the the terms. We don't get to choose our own way. You can try. But that's self-righteousness. That's really uh, wayward thinking. Amen. So, so the Bible presents this one God concept all the way through scriptures, and we know Jesus is his name. Mm. Hey, let's clap our hands in Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. See, Easter is about Jesus' death, his burial, and resurrection. And it's the only thing provided for mankind to have a way to have a relationship with God despite of our sins because sin separates us from him. Thank God that he went to Calvary and shed his blood. Thank God that you and I can be baptized in Jesus' name. That's how now our brother Calvin, hallelujah. Amen. Still rejoicing over the baptism Sunday. He's here right now. Praise God. Thank God for him. And Brother Eric Wiley, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Hey, they're preparing. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And we need to make sure that we prepare room for him. In our hearts. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And this is all free for anyone. Free. Thank God. Whomsoever will, let him come. And I'll give him the water of life freely. All are accepted by Jesus Christ who come to him in faith. Thank God. I'm so thankful. There's room in his house. There's room under his cross. There's room in this church. Hallelujah. There's room at the cross for you. How many know that song? Stand up with me for a moment. I'm done. Andrea, come on up. Hallelujah. And Nathan, get ready. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. There's room at the cross for you there's room at the cross for you though millions have come yet still there's room for one there's room at the cross for you aren't you glad there was room for you would you lift your hands and thank god thank god for the blood Thank God for what he's doing to prepare a place for you and I. Thank God that he's preparing you for that wonderful place. I don't want to miss it. Hallelujah. I want to choose God each and every day of my life. It's close. It's close. He's coming soon. I'm waiting for the trumpet sound. But the last trump, 
the trumpet shall sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And I want to go with them. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time to praise the Lord.